Hello, and welcome to the 13th episode of the Good Lift Podcast. This is your host, Erica Stevens, and today we will be talking about imposter syndrome and doubt, um, self-doubt in particular. So last episode, uh, we talked about the showdown, um, kind of how I felt during the showdown, the the whole experience. So today I wanted to dig in a little bit deeper on the imposter syndrome that I felt leading into the meet especially and some of the doubt that I felt during my prep. Um, once I was there, I didn't feel too much of the imposter syndrome, too much of the doubt, but I know leading into the meet especially, I felt a lot of feelings, I'll say. So this is, I guess, a little bit of a, a vulnerable post for me um, podcast, and uh, I'll do my best to get through it and kind of just be honest about what my feelings were. Um, I will say without my coach, Joe Sullivan, I would have really struggled to get through the last, I don't know, probably six weeks of prep, especially with how my back was reacting. And I'd have a good workout one day and a terrible one the next and nothing really made sense. And I didn't make the progress that I thought that I should have uh, because of the injury. So that having the right people in your corner definitely matters. I mean, Briani was there for me too, pretty much every session, whether we were talking shit or we were just kind of like hyping each other up. Um, we had each other's backs. So I guess I'll start with um, feelings of the imposter syndrome. So the imposter syndrome feelings, they are a bitch, right? So we all have those moments where we know we did everything to earn our spot, to earn our job, whatever, we all have those moments where you kind of sit there and you're like, what the fuck am I doing here? I don't belong here. Like, I'm not good enough for this. Um, those feelings are are terrible. They really are. They, they hurt. They're, I don't know how to, how to phrase it. They, they're really hard to overcome. Um, so I know I felt that a lot leading into the meet. I felt like uh, I wasn't, okay, yeah, I hit my total. I barely, I hit it by the skin of my teeth. And that, I think that's the biggest issue. Like if the qualifying dots was 500 and I hit like a 530, I'd have been like, cool, yeah, like we're in. Um, I hit 506. So I barely made it. Like I had to plan my entire meet around beating that 500 number the the meet that I qualified in um I did hit five I hit just hit 500 on my second deadlift so then I pulled something for fun and I actually actually hit another PR and that put me up to the 506 uh but the I was hyped you know the first like few months of prep I was hyped and I, when I say prep, I just mean like the time after my previous meet. I'm not really like a, this is my off season type person. Um, this year I am. I'm just trying to put on some size. But in prior years, I was kind of just like, all right, well, let's get back under the barbell. Let's get back to work. We have shit to do. We have things to address. And I did that 
And man, I was cruising. Like I was feeling great. Everything was awesome. I was getting I was getting stronger. I was getting noticeably like stronger. The numbers were going up. I was doing squats for reps that I could barely do for one, getting ready for the meet in December. And I was on a roll. And then I hurt my back. And then it really it was from that point on that the feelings were overwhelming. And I I convinced myself whether I was able to squat and deadlift or not, I was going to the showdown. Even if I had to do a token squat, token deadlift, I was going to go bench. I was invited onto that platform, and that is what I was going to do. Because in this sport, just because you got invited last year doesn't mean you're going to get invited next year. And any at any point in time, that could be your last invitational. So my first could have been my last. Uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens when the invites come out next year. But I was going. Um, there were days where I was freaking out. I was like, there's no way I'm going to embarrass myself like that. But then I calmed myself down. I I remind myself, like, this is injuries part of the sport. And I find it admirable when someone gets up there and does the other two lifts just to get there, the one that they actually can do. But so that is a lot of doubt. I had a lot of doubt going into the, the entire prep. Um, I I think my biggest fear, like entering the meet, was that I would be first in my flight on all three lifts, which that is just kind of a personal thing. I don't, I mean, we all know how powerlifting works, right? Like the last person in the flight is the strongest. Uh, I knew I wasn't going to be the strongest. I knew that I was going to be probably in the first half in my flight every time. And to my surprise, I was right in the middle to the back half until we came to deadlifts. I was like third. Um, but I knew that was going to happen. I'm not a great deadlifter. And I didn't train deadlift for the last like five or six weeks of prep. I just kind of said, well, we're just going to see what's there when we get there. But the the whole time going into the meet like that that morning when I when I wanted to walk up and look at the flight sheets like it was like dread it was like oh god I'm here if I'm first in every flight that means that I barely fucking made it here if I'm first in my flight or my weight class because the flights were a little mixed but if I'm the person in my weight class and I go first on all three lifts do I actually belong here and those are things that like went through my head and Joe continuously had to tell me like you fucking earn this and that like I appreciate him and his support for me more than anything going into the meet because I did have days and I'm sure he was like wow this bitch is a head case but um, I was, and I, I know he has days like that too, because we've talked about them, um, plenty of times when I'm having my days and sometimes he was having the same day, but it's, it's a battle. Like the, the battle, everybody thinks the battle's on the platform. I feel like hundred percent the battle is within yourself because just getting on the platform is an accomplishment uh like it's like uh it's like new lifters right like so i'm worried if i don't belong on an invitational platform 
And then there's there's the new lifters that always say, well, I'll compete when my numbers are better. Well, when is that? So so set three numbers. Like, what's that number? So when you squat 225, does that mean you're going to step on the platform? When you, when you bench 300, are you going to step on the platform? That could take years, depending on where you're at and where you're starting. But go watch a meet. That's what that's what I usually do with people who want to get into the sport and they're just not sure. They they think they need to have certain numbers and they need to be so strong before they step on the platform. I usually take them to a meet and I'm like, all right, watch this. All right, these are the girls that are in your weight class. Uh, here you go. You would have won. You you literally would have won your weight class. So you're staying out of a sport because you aren't strong enough, but you're literally stronger than everybody that's on the platform right now. And even if they're not. I'm like, well, hey, look, this person has only been lifting for 12 weeks. You have been lifting for four weeks, and you're very close. You guys you guys are similar. There's no, there's no why wait for more because the reason you're waiting for more is to compare yourself to other people, and you could legitimately be having fun and be on this platform and hitting your own personal PRs. And usually that works. I haven't really had anybody come back to me and be like, yeah, no, I'm still not doing it. Uh, but that's that's something I kind of did to myself even. It was like, oh, man, I I got invited, but I don't think I'm strong enough to be here. And I was just like, dude, I hit the minimum criteria. That means I am strong enough to be here. It's it's like black and white. It's pretty much black and white. So that that's definitely something too. So like self-doubt you're strong enough to be there you're strong enough to get on the platform you don't have to be in the sport for a certain amount of time before you compete the first time you just just fucking do it my first meet uh I wish I still had the mentality I had when I first started because I thought I was a shit I was so excited I thought I was so strong um but I did my first meet I I learned about powerlifting and then I was like yeah I want to do this so I signed up for a meet, I think it was 12 weeks, 12 to 16 weeks after I just said, I said to myself, I want to power lift. I found a meet. I didn't know anything about federations. I didn't know anything about the bars. I didn't know anything about anything. I signed up. I went down. I competed. I had the freaking time of my life. And then I competed again like two months later. And then I competed again. I did the I did the first year powerlifter thing where it's like I I'm gonna get stronger every four weeks. I'm just gonna keep signing up for meets. So my first year I did, I think I did three meets, and then my second year I did two or three meets, and then my third year I think I I finally dialed it back down to two, and then I did take like a whole year off at one point, but I felt more like I belonged on the platform then than I do now, which I need to work on that, right? So I was like, yeah, I'm here. I'm going to go. I'm going to win my weight class. I'm going to have a good time, blah, blah, blah. And then now I'm like, I feel like a beginner again, you know, but I don't have that mentality. I don't have that like excitement that's like, heck yeah, I'm going to go to this platform and I'm going to crush it. I'm going to hit all my PRs and I'm going to just do my best. And finding that mentality again, I think, is going to be critical for me to have fun in powerlifting again. Um, because in all honesty, like, I'm not really having fun right now. I'm not really having fun anymore. I mean, I missed the gym. I missed three weeks. 
Um, I did go to the gym three times so far this week. So today is Thursday. It's my normal rest day. So I hit the three workouts that I was supposed to hit. My plan is to go Friday and Saturday. So that will be, well, I can't go Saturday because of fall brawl. But um, I'll go Friday and then Saturday I'll rest. And then Sunday I'll go to the gym in the morning before I watch football. But it's, um, I'm, I'm getting back on track. Uh, I'm trying to have fun. I'm having a little bit of fun because my partner started coming to the gym with me this week. Uh, it's frustrating. Uh, she knows that she's going to be mad at me for saying that. Um, but I, I'm happy that she's there with me. Uh, it does give me kind of a little bit more accountability. So like if I don't go, she's not going to go. So we kind of go together. She meets me after work. We have a little workout. We do a quick one and then we split. Uh, so that's been, that's been like a little refreshing to have something to work, look forward to, I guess, for my workouts other than just like, ah, shit, I have to do this because I have to get ready for a meet that I don't even know when it is. Um, and I need to get bigger so that I could get stronger. But yeah, it's, um, it's, it's weird, right? The, the way that we feel about ourselves when we're in some form of competition. I don't ever remember feeling imposter syndrome when I was like younger, when I was playing like travel sports. Um, I never had the feeling like, well, I'm here, I made the team, but I don't belong here. I never had that feeling. I don't know if it comes with age and kind of just like societal expectations. Um, I do feel uh, imposter syndrome a lot at work. Uh, I I got my job, you know, I got my job, I got hired in, I got promoted within a couple years. Uh, but I will still sit there and every time my boss calls me, I think he's going to fire me. I don't know why. I, I literally like my heart drops every time my phone rings and I see my boss's name. I Or if he like puts a meeting on the calendar and it's like a weird title, I'm like, oh, this is it. He's going to tell me I have to send my computer back in and I'm getting shit canned. But I don't know why. I don't – I'm very confident in my knowledge. I'm very confident in what I'm capable of for my job. But I don't know. There's something that – there's something in our brains that causes us to doubt that we are capable of what we're capable of. I don't know if that's like a fight or flight type thing, you know, like – well, if I just believe that I'm not capable of it, then if anybody says that I'm not, then I'm not surprised. I don't know if that's the thing. I don't, I really don't know. Um, I'm, I know I'm good at my job. Like right now I can talk about it. I'll tell you, I'm very good at my job. I, I'm very, I'm probably one of the best in my department. I'm, I just do well, you know, I, I strive on challenges but for some reason, once you put like those senior people in my room, in my space or in my calls or on my meetings or whatever, for some reason, I just feel like I don't belong there. Um, even though I, even though they're coming to me as the technical expert. So they are literally there coming to me because I'm the one that they need the information for, from, but they, for some 
fucking reason, I doubt that I belong there. And I, I don't know. I have no idea why. The um, re- Recently, I went into my corporate office and I sat down. We are having a meeting. It was the whole management team. So it was like anybody that was titled manager, director, or and then the one vice president over our um, over our group. So I was sitting there and I'm looking around and I I don't know everybody else's ages, but I could probably easily say I was the youngest by ten years. Um, I'm 31. I had just turned 31 when like the week before I got there. Um, and everybody's talking about their 20 years of experience at the company. And I've been here for 14 years. I've been out of college for seven, not even eight. I've been out of college for eight years. So it like, like we're all introducing ourselves. This is the first time I've met quite a few of these people and they're like, Oh, I've been at this company for 22 years and I went this is my path that I took to get to here and I'm sitting there I was like hi I've been here for 30 years so I felt I was I was like I don't I don't fucking belong here what in God's name like why am I here why did my boss think that think that I was capable of this and then later when I got to the hotel I kind of sat down with myself and had a nice little talk and I was like, okay, this is why he believed in me. I need to believe in myself as well. And the next day I entered like work with a better attitude, but it's, it's astonishing that the number of times per week that I have to have one of those conversations with myself, like, Hey, you deserve what you have. You earned these things, but it's like, whether it's work, powerlifting, anything like I don't know what what that chemical is or whatever is happening within the mind that makes people do this. But if you are at an event and you were invited there, you belong there. There doesn't need to be any doubt. If you got a promotion, if you got a raise, you got it because you earned it. I mean a performance-based raise, of course, not one of those... uh, annual cost of living races everybody gets those but like if your management comes to you and they say hey we think you're doing a great job we wanted to recognize you for it here's a here's a little bonus eat that shit up fucking praise yourself don't don't say don't doubt that that you belong in your position eat that shit up and ride it as long as you can ride those endorphins keep doing a good job because if you if you believe in yourself, if you believe that you belong where you need where you are, if you believe that you are worthy of taking up the space that you're taking up, you're going to grow more. You're going to grow into a better version of yourself and you're going to take up more space. And I think that's like the goal in life, right? Not to like be loud and boisterous. That's not what I'm talking about, like taking up space. I mean, like your your being takes up space and you deserve that space. <sighs> Let's see. How can I phrase that in another way? Um, just uh, I'll use work as an example, right? Like 
if you're like, I, I'm considered a technical expert. So if I'm a technical expert, but nobody knows who I am, then I'm kind of an unused resource, right? So I, my goal is to grow my technical aptitude and to use and recommend these technical recommendations or whatever, however you want to phrase it, so that people know who I am. Like my goal at work is to be the best at what I do and to take up space so that when people need to know something about that topic, they just immediately come to me. Same thing with like coaching, right? If you're a powerlifting coach, you want to take up space. You want to be known. You But you want to take up good space and be known for the right things. So like a good coach, right? Like you're constantly putting out um, free content. You're making a platform for people to talk to you. You're making a platform for people to have discussions and forums. I'll use Joe as an example, right? He has his podcast. He has his adapter die group. So he you can get on there and you can talk to him and you can talk to the other people in the group. He has his coaching. You can pay him to be your coach. He's constantly putting out educational videos and stuff and form and doing he's blasting people's form on Instagram. But sometimes watching him blast somebody's form helps your form because you do the same thing. You look at that and you're like, well shit, mine looks like that. I'm gonna do that too. But it's the same concept as that, but you want to take up good space. And the more space that you take up, like you have to earn that space. You don't just get it, right? You can put out, put out all of this garbage content, but if nobody's watching it, it doesn't matter. So earn the attention of people. Earn the space that you're going to take up. And when you have that space... Just know that you fucking earned it and you deserve it. And that's the space that you have built for yourself. That's that's kind of the way I'm trying to approach the imposter syndrome and stuff that I've been feeling, um, especially with work. Uh, I don't like, yeah, I care about it with powerlifting, but like powerlifting is my hobby. Uh, I try to keep it that. I try to let it not consume my life. But in work especially... I, I just, I build my space and I own it. And when people question me or doubt what I'm saying, I just find the facts. I find the data. I know I have it. Um, there are times though in my industry, especially where if somebody asks, well, why? My answer is legitimately, I just know it because I've done it a lot of times. Um, that That's okay too. And if they trust you and it works, then they're going to trust you again. If they trust you and it doesn't work, then they're going to doubt probably everything that you say past that unless you have actual data to back it up. But that's the space that I've built, right? So I I have the ability to say it's going to work and I know it's going to work because I've done it before, but I cannot explain to you why um, or I cannot put it into, into terms that you're going to understand. But that's okay. Uh those moments happen. Um, so just earn your space and live in it and work forever to build more space. I mean, your space can be whatever you want. Maybe it's you built a nonprofit and you want to grow it. Well, take up space, dude. Get as much space as you can. 
uh, earn it. Pull people into your space. Help them build their space. It's, it's life. Um, I don't know if you ever stop striving for more space. I, I said build it forever, but I don't know. Maybe you retire and you don't want to take up space anymore. And you just want to live in your little bubble and travel. And that's fine too. Um, to each their own. I would love to just travel and not worry about a care in the world. But I have a job. And that doesn't really allow me to do that. So I guess that's that's kind of the gist of what I feel, at least with my imposter syndrome. I kind of rambled and jumped around quite a lot. Um, I don't know if it covers kind of what you guys were hoping to hear. Um, if you have questions, feel free to message me. Uh, I'll openly talk about all of this and what I feel and how I try to overcome it and some of my little tricks. I mean, most of my tricks to overcome doubt and uh, imposter syndrome are really just having very firm talks with myself. Um, I'm very blunt, very honest with myself at pretty much always. Uh, I'm not really the type of person that sees the bright side all the time. I'm usually the person that sees right in the middle. Uh, but I also don't like to pull the pull the blinds over my eyes. You know, I like to know and see what's coming and be a realist kind of about what the potential outcomes are. Um, so that that's that's my imposter syndrome. Um, the the doubt part of this. I mean, I kind of covered some of it. Um, it could it could be overreaching. I mean, ever reaching. It could it could be in every aspect of your life. Um, if you want to stick with the powerlifting, I mean, doubt, you can doubt your program. You can doubt your coach. You can doubt yourself. You can doubt that you can lift the weight that's on the bar right now that's in front of you. And the way that I overcome doubt, I'm a numbers person. So if I'm doubting something, I usually look for data. So if I doubt that something's going to work, I look for past data, and then I try to predict future data. Um, it's, it's simple stuff, right? Uh, if you're, if you're linearly progressing in terms of programming, if you're linearly progressing, you're getting stronger. Uh, as long as you're pushing the weights to the extremes that you need to be pushing them. Um, if I put a weight on the bar that I've never done before, I will look back at a similar weight if I've done something slightly less and look at the speed. Speed is a number. Uh, it's a it's a qualitative number when you don't have an actual measuring device. So I check my speed. Uh, I check my reps that I've done. Have I done something that proves to proves to myself that I can lift this weight? So if it's ninety percent for a single, like I should know that I can do 90% for a single because I've done 88% for a triple or whatever. I mean, th that was a sad example, but that's kind of how it works. Uh, that's, that's the best way just for myself, my brain to get rid of doubt. And that is to back things up with numbers and science. I can't really recommend anything other than that, to people, because I don't really use uh, that kind of 
methods, I'm very much a numbers person. The numbers have to make sense or I'm going to doubt it. And if I doubt, if I have doubt and I get under the bar, I won't get it. I have to know in my mind that I have it that day. So numbers are my best friend. Um, I don't have another mechanism to recommend to anybody other than numbers. Uh, if you want help understanding numbers, I could probably help you, especially in lifting. Um, but if I can't, I would probably just direct you to somebody more knowledgeable than myself. Um, the, I mean, some people, some people, if they're doubting themselves and like, if they just have like a super hype man, like you got this, you got this, like that is not me. Uh, there's plenty of people that they can be talked out of doubt by other people. I am not that person. I am, I have to have the numbers in front of me. I have to have the data. I have to have the information. So if you're like the hype person, like communicate that to your training group or your partner or whoever's going to be at the competition with you or even that training session, just be like, bro, hype me up. Let's go. Talk me, tell me I can do this. And sometimes that's all people need. That's not, that's not me, but good for you. I wish I could be talked out of doubt. Uh, it sure would make my life easier, but I can't. So I'll sit there and watch old videos and look at numbers and then eventually I'll just stand up and I'll be like, I'll either drop the weight or I'll say, yep, I got this. And if I get under the bar, I'm probably going to get it. I don't leave doubt. I don't leave my body to doubt, especially with an injury. I think that is really what drives me the most to use numbers other than just that's how my brain works because I'm not going to risk failing in training when I have an injury, it's a, it's there. It's never going away. Like if you have disc issues, those don't go away for the most part. You can build, you can build the muscles up, and it can help stabilize your spine better. And it, there are cases where the herniation or bulge will actually go back into place into the disc by strengthening those, um, those muscles around it but there's still a weak spot in that disc and it would take one bad move for that disc to herniate again or essentially refill the little bubble that it formed that sticks out of your spine. So I don't I don't let doubt control my workouts. I just adjust the weights as necessary and go from there. Um I don't risk. I don't take risk in training, especially for squat and deadlift. I'll take risks for bench because I put the face savers up and if I fail, I fail. But squat and deadlift, there, there's ve I'm very risk adverse. Um, I don't consider that doubt. I consider that strategy and just trying to be smart because I want to be in the sport for a long time. But like I said, you can't talk me out of doubt because I probably have data that backs it up. So don't don't doubt yourself um, if you know that you can do it. Um, yeah, so that's that's pretty much my spiel, I guess, on doubt and imposter syndrome. I kind of rambled quite a bit today. Um, but yeah, so last week I had some 
exciting announcements for people joining the team. So they have officially joined the team, so now I can announce them. Uh, I would like to welcome Trisha King, Emery Mullen, and Dr. Ashley Contorno to the Goodlift sponsored athlete team. They are all astounding people and astounding lifters. Um, I'm thrilled to have all three of them on the team. They are super strong and super kind, and that's kind of the most important thing when it comes to who I invite to be sponsored athletes. I, I definitely want elite level athletes. That's a no brainer. Um, but mostly, like I want your character values to match mine, and these three definitely do. Uh, and like I said, I'm thrilled to have them on the team. Follow them on Instagram if you do not already. Use their codes. They have them in their um, bios on Instagram. And just shoot them a message. Tell them congrats um, because I know how thrilled I am to have them here. Um, the next thing, I did say I was going to do something special if you listen to the podcast. So the first, we'll say three people. I'm going to do three people. So the first three people that DM me on the Goodlift page and use the secret code. Um, we're going to use code word Pineapple Express. I will send you a free t-shirt of your choosing. So first three people, DM me Pineapple Express, and I'll send you a free t-shirt of your choosing. Um, that includes yesterday's release. Any t-shirt that I have in stock, um, it could be yours. Um, but yeah, let's do that. First three people, code word Pineapple Express. I would love to hear from you guys. Um, but that is actually a wrap today. Again, follow me on Instagram. Follow my sponsored athletes. The, I already talked about the three new ones. And then we still have David Forgus. Uh, Kristen Robbins and Cody Robbins. Give them all a follow. Give them a shout out. Like their posts. They're all badasses. Um, but that is all for today. Thank you and have a very good lift day.